Well, good morning, everybody. It's Friday, and it's Dorcas Smith, Granny D, out of Plymouth, Michigan. Um, I have some crazy things happening next week with doctor's appointments and a colonoscopy, so I won't be available. So kindly, Susan Mann, my, one of my great speakers, offered to switch with me. So here you go. You get me twice this week, and I am... Got lots of stuff about the brain again. Really interesting stuff about how your brain works. This is the TR90 weight management call, which is all about all the different things you can do and all the different knowledge that you need to have to make your life well, to help you be healthy, and to keep those pounds off. Because we all know that obesity is one of the easiest ways to make yourself sick and to die. So, and with COVID on the on the loose, those who are obese seem to be one of the prime groups that get the infection, or they seem to be more perceptive. They seem to a lot of people have died because of it. So, anyway, today I am working on the brain, which you know I've been doing for the last while. I'm going to read this little bit again this morning from um, John Medina on brain rules. And we're on rule number three, which is wiring. Every brain is wired differently. What you do and learn in life physically changes what your brain looks like. It looks like it literally rewires it. You change your brain when you learn. The various regions of the brain develop at different rates in different people. No two people's brains store the same information in the same way, in the same place. And we have a great number of ways of being intelligent, many of which do not show up on IQ tests. The other thing to know is you might be really brilliant at one thing and absolutely lousy at another. Let me tell you a story. Michael Jordan's athletic failures are puzzling. In 1994, one of the basketball players, one of the best basketball players in the world, ESPN's greatest athlete of the 20th century, Michael Jordan, decided to quit the game and take up baseball instead. Well, what happened? Jordan failed miserably, hitting .202 in his, in his only full season, the lowest of any regular player in that year. He simultaneously committed 11 errors in the outfield, also the league's worst. Jordan's performance was so awful and so poor, he couldn't even qualify for a AAA farm team. Though it seems preposterous that anyone with his physical ability would fail at any athletic activity he put his mind to, the fact that Jordan did not even make, make it to the minor leagues is palpable proof that you can. His failure was, much, was that much more embarrassing because another athletic legend, Ken Giffrey Jr., was burning up the baseball diamond that same year in 1994. Griffey was excelling in 
all, at all the skills Jordan seemed to lack, and doing so in the majors, thank you. Griffey, then playing for the red-hot Seattle Mariners, maintained this excellence for most of the decade, hitting batting point three hundred for seven years in the 1990s, and at the same time slugged out 422 home runs. That was in 2008. Sorry, and in, in and in, in two, by 2008, he was still sixth on the all-time home run list. That's pretty amazing. Like Jordan, Griffey Jr. played in the outfield, but unlike Jordan, he was known for catches so spectacular he seemed to float in the air. Float in the air? Wasn't that the space Jordan was accustomed to inhabiting on the basketball court? But the sacred atmosphere of the baseball park refused to budge for Jordan. And eventually he went back to what his brain and his muscles did better than anyone else's. And he created a legacy sequel to the previous stunning basketball career. What was going on in the bodies of these two athletes? What is it about their brain's ability to communicate with their muscles and their skeletons that made their talent so specialized? It has to do with how their brains were wired. To understand what that means, we will watch what happens in the brain as it learns, discuss the enormous roles of the enormous role of experience in brain development, including how identical twins having an identical experience will not emerge with identical brains. Brains are kind of like fried eggs and blueberries, let me tell you. You have heard since grade school that living things are made of cells, and for the most part, that's true. There isn't much that complex biological creatures can do that doesn't involve cells. You have a little... You may have a little gratitude for this generous contribution to your existence, but your cells make up the indifference by ensuring that you can't control them. For the most part, they purr and hum behind the scenes, content to supervise virtually everything you will ever experience, much of which lies outside your awareness. Some cells are so unassuming they will find their normal function only after they can't function. Take this example, the surface of your skin, all nine pounds of it, holy cow, literally is deceased. This allows the rest of your cells to support your, your daily life free of wind, rain, and spilled nacho cheese at a baseball game. It is accurate to say that nearly in every inch of your outer physical presentation to the world is dead. You have dead skin on the outside. But then that's how it does its job. It protects you then. It's your covering. The biological structures of the cells that are alive are fairly easy to understand. Most just look like fried eggs. The white of the egg we call the cytoplasm. The center yolk is the nucleus. 
the nucleus contains that master blueprint molecule that newly christened that and newly christened patient saint of wrongfully convicted criminal. Let me try that again. Blech. The nucleus contains the master blueprint molecule and newly christened patron saint of wrongly convicted criminals. DNA. DNA possesses genes, small snippets of biological instructions that guide everything from how tall you become to how you respond to stress. A lot of genetic material fits inside that yoke-like nucleus. Nearly six feet of the stuff are crammed into a space that is measured in, in microns. A micron is one over 25 thousandths of an inch, which means putting DNA into your nucleus is like taking 30 miles of fishing line and stuffing it into a blueberry. The nucleus is a crowded place. One of the most unexpected finding, findings of re recent years is that, is that this DNA, or deoxyribonucleic acid, is not randomly jammed into the nucleus, as one might stuff cotton into a teddy bear. Rather, the DNA is folded into the nucleus in a complex and tightly regulated manner. The reason for this molecular origami, cellular career op options. Hold on. The reason for this molecular origami is cellular career options. Fold the DNA one way and the cell will become a contributing member of your liver. Fold it another and the cell will become part of your busy bloodstream. Fold it a third way and you get a nerve cell and the ability to read this sentence. So what does one of those nerve cells look like? Take that fried egg and smash it with your foot, splattering it across the room. The resulting, may, the resulting mess may look like a many-pointed star. Now, take one tip of that star and stretch it way out, way out. Using your thumb, now squish the farthest section of the point that you just stretched. This creates a smaller version of that multi-pronged shape. Two smash stars separated by a long, thin line. There's your typical nerve. Nerve cells come in many sizes and shapes, but most have this basic framework. The foot stopped fried egg splatter is called the nerve's cell body. The many points on the resulting star are called dendrites. You know about dendrites. Dendrites send the message from one to the next. And you can build stronger dendrites by sending that message over and over and over again. Absolutely amazing. The reason you, you stretched Okay, the region you stretched out is called an axion, and the smaller thumb-induced starburst at the far end of the axion is called the axon termi terminal. These cells help to, med help to mediate something as sophisticated as human thought. 
to understand how we must journey into the Lilliputian um, the Lilliputian world of the neuron. And to do that, I would like to borrow from a movie I saw as a child. It was called Fantastic Voyage, I bet you remember, written by Harry Kleiner and popularized afterwards in a book by legendary science fiction writer Isaac Asimov. Using a premise best described as Honey, I Shrunk with Submarine, the film follows a group of researchers exploring the internal workings of the human body in a submersible, reduced, to microscopic size. We are going to enter such a submarine, which will allow us to roam around the insides of a typical nerve cell and the watery world in which it is anchored. Our initial, our initial port of call is a neuron that resides in the hippocampus. When we arrive at the hippocampus neuron, it looks like we've landed in an ancient underwater forest. Somehow it has become electrified, which means we are going to have to be careful. Everywhere there are submerged jumbles of branches, limbs, and large trunk-like objects. And everywhere sparks of electric current run up and down those trunks. Occasionally, large clouds of tiny chemicals erupt from the end of the tree trunks after the electricity has convulsed through them. These are not trees. They aren't, these are neurons with some odd structural distinctions. Hovering close to one of them, for example, we realize that the bark feels surprisingly like grease. That's because it is grease. In the balmy interior of the human body, the exterior of the neuron, the the phospholipid bilayer is the consistency of mazola oil. It is the interior structures that give a neuron its shape, much as the human skeleton gives the body its shape. When we plunge into the interior of the cell, one of the first things we see is this skeleton. So let's plunge. Instantly, insufferably overcrowded, even hostile in here. Everywhere we have to navigate through a dangerous scaffolding of spiky, coral-like protein formations, the neural skeleton. Though these dense formations give the neuron its three-dimensional shape, many of the skeletal parts are in constant motion, which means we have to do a lot of dodging in our little submersible. Millions of molecules still slam against our ship. However, every few seconds we are jolted. Uh, however, and every few seconds we are jolted by electrical discharges. We won't want to stay here long. And I'm going to stop right there because the next step that I'm going to talk about is what happens when you escape from the neuron and you go to the next neuron. And what happens, and how we think, and how we learn. It's fascinating. I will do that in a week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been the Weight Management Call for Friday, the 31st of July. It is the last day of the month, unbelievably so.
I want to thank Frank Lomas and Brian Curry for their hard work. And if you want to listen to any of these calls or you want to re-listen to something that you've heard, go to SoundCloud, look for Frank Lomas, look for TR90, and you will find all the calls back for up to six years. And you can go right back because I've done it. In a few minutes, we will be going to, or should I say, One Team Global will have a training class for anybody who's trying to build their business. Being Friday, I hope you have a glorious weekend, and we'll be back with Nikki Coyne on Facebook Live, Zoom, and this weight management call on Monday morning. She is a little tech giant. I am amazed. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Dorcas. That was fascinating. Our brain is really interesting. So this week I was talking about memory. Now I'm going to be going on to learning. And of course, our weight management program is all about learning how we train the brain to make our muscles go, to make our bodies stronger, so that we are the healthiest we can be. Absolutely. Healthy is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) It sure is. It sure is. It makes life a lot more fun. So thank you for being here, and we'll we'll be seeing or hearing you on Monday morning. Fabulous. Thank you. Same time, same place, same station. And thanks for being here, Susan. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.